The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all very, very well on this Sunday evening. My name is Rory O'Hagan. Delighted you joined us on the Big Red Bench. And we have a very busy hour of sport coming our way between now and 7 p.m. We are going to wrap up a very, very exciting two days in Porky Cueve. A dramatic draw for the Corks ladies footballers today as they finished all square with Kerry in dramatic circumstances. Dramatic circumstances last night in front of a massive crowd as Cork drew a temporary reaction from both games to come. And we're going to talk to Joe McCarthy who got to witness them both for the big red bench. We are also going to talk to Owen O'Connell about his time at Wrexham and being best friends with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McAhenney. We have the second part of our interview with Kieran O'Sullivan of Balancolic Basketball and we preview the Miami GP with Sarah McKenzie Foley. That's all to come between now and 7 o'clock. Thanks very much indeed again, folks, for joining us. Very much appreciated, and we certainly have a very, very busy hour of uh, Gaelic Games action to come, of football action to come, of basketball action to come, and motorsport action to come as well. Going to wrap up today's action, and Cork are the newly crowned All-Ireland Minor Camogie champions. They've beaten Waterford today in Nolan Park. Uh, Cork won 13, Waterford won 10. That match just finished. Uh, player of the match was Emily O'Donoghue, scoring 1-5 for Cork. Massive congratulations indeed to the Rebels there. In the Munster Ladies Football Championship as I mentioned finished all square between Cork and Kerry 2-14 apiece a dramatic finish saw Cork come back to earn a draw they scored 2-4 out reply it all goes down to the final round of games to see who will reach the Munster final um, we'll have more on that with Joe who'll be joining us on the line in just a little bit uh, Kerry have beaten Clare comfortably in the uh, Senior Football Championship Final today, the Munster Senior Football Championship Final at the Gaelic Grounds it's a massively emotional day for David and Polly Clifford whose mother passed away yesterday David Clifford scoring 2-6 it's their 84th title in Munster their 12th in the last 14 seasons that shows you how dominant the Kingdom have been in Munster let's get a full time report on that from Tommy Rooney it is full-time in the TUS Gaelic grounds and Kerry have won the 2023 Munster final beating Clare by 14 points on a scoreline of 5-14 to 15. Kerry were much the better side today and created goal chances throughout. They took five. Tony Brosnan and Darren Moynihan scoring the first two while David Clifford finishes day with 2-6 and his brother Paddy scored a goal too. Clare have a home game up next against Donegal on the weekend of the 20th of May whilst Kerry will host Mayo in the new round-robin group stage format on the same weekend. Full time in the 2023 Munster final, and Kerry have beaten Clare by 5.14 to 15 points. Yeah, Kerry dominant, dominant today, as Tommy mentioned there. Uh, elsewhere, Gobbick on the Connacht champions after beating Sligo today. Full time report from Ashton O'Reilly. It's full time here at McHale Park, and Galway are the back to back Connacht champions with a comfortable victory over Sligo. It finished Galway 2.20, Sligo 12 points. Galway led by eight points at the break, thanks to two first half goals from Matthew Tierney. Ian Burke picked up a black guard with 36 minutes gone, but even with an extra man for a period of time, Sligo never really got to grips with the game. The best for Sligo was Sean Carabine, who kicked four points, and Dara Cummins with three from play. But today was the Matthew Tierney show. He kicked 2-7 with 2-4 of that coming from play, and he picked up the man of the match. The Trousmen are the 2023 Connacht champions. The full-time score, Galway 2-20, Sligo 12 points. 
Elsewhere today, the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship, Kilkenny beating Andrew McCorrigan Park in Belfast, 5-31-2-3-20. Cross-channel football, two games in the Premier League. Arsenal still a goal up on Newcastle, 68 minutes on the clock there at St James's Park. Vital that Arsenal get a win today to, to keep the pressure on Manchester City. So it's uh, 1-0 to Arsenal. It was uh, Thomas Odegaard with the goal uh, for our Martin O'Dare, I beg your pardon, with the goal for the Gunners. He had a great chance just before half time as well, hit it straight at the keeper. And uh, Newcastle had a couple of chances as well, but still 1 0 there, 20 minutes to go. And uh, as things stand, uh, Arsenal um, a point behind Manchester City with a game more play, but they have to win just to keep the pressure on City at the top of the table. Uh, speaking of needing a win, Manchester United are in action this evening. They take on West Ham at 7 o'clock. United a point ahead of Liverpool in the battle for that uh, Champions League spot as things stand at the moment. But United do have two games in hand, the first of which is tonight as they take on West Ham. Katzwav looks ahead. It's a crucial game for West Ham at home this evening who'll be looking to distance themselves further from the Premier League's relegation zone. David Moyes' side are in 15th, four points clear of the bottom three with just three weeks until the end of the season. But their form against their opponents hasn't been great. Manchester United have won their last five league encounters. Eric Ten Hag's squad will want to consolidate their fourth place position, but they only sit one point above Liverpool. The hopes of Premier League survival and Champions League qualification is to play for tonight as West Ham take on Manchester United at the London Stadium. That kicks off tonight at 7 o'clock. Celtic have retained the Scottish Premiership title. They had a 2-0 win at Hearts today. Back-to-back successes for the Parkhead side in as many seasons under manager Ange Postacoglu. Rangers beat Aberdeen by a goal to nil as well. Locally, the King Cup final is tonight's Rockmont and Leeds going head-to-head head in Turner's Cross. That kicks off at 7 o'clock. Golf and uh, Seamus Power well in the mix for a top-ten finish at the Wells Fargo Championship. He's uh, buried the first, but however, he's bogeyed the second, so he remains 7-under on his final round in North Carolina Roy McIlroy 1 under through 15 the American Wyndham Clark leading the way on 16 under he'll get underway in about 25 minutes time there or thereabouts uh, elsewhere in motorsport the Miami Grand Prix taking place tonight it's Sergio Perez in pole position he get, get, the action there gets underway at half past eight Irish time we'll be talking to Sarah McKenzie Foley about that in just a little Bits. All right, we are going to start today in Porky Cueve. We're going to hear uh, from Cork boss Shane Ronane and Imer Meany about their dramatic draw uh, with Kerry um, today. Cork battling back to, uh, to get a deserved draw today. And we get the views of Ger McCarthy, who was at the game for us. Newcastle, I mean, have just conceded a second goal against Arsenal, so it's Newcastle nil. Arsenal 2 is how things stand there at the moment uh, so we'll get you an update on that in just a little bit but now we're going to hear from Shane Ronane first we're going to hear from Emer Meany uh, Emer first of all it was looking pretty bad over a couple of minutes ago but Cork really dug deep to get a 2-14 to 2-14 draw with Kerry you must be delighted with the way you responded yeah I think the last 10 minutes like we were slow to get into the game probably too slow and that's why why we didn't come away with the win and um, we know if we had started stronger that we could have got a win here today but look if you had told me 50 minutes ago that we get out of here with a draw I would have been delighted so I think look there's a lot of learning points to take from the game as a whole but the last 10 minutes we were definitely impressed with how we, we dug the game out uh, Waterford won today against Tipperary so look it means you got a clan Kilty next weekend you just need to win it's, a, it's a, in all cases purposes it's a semi-final but that's the way you want it yeah and look we, we've played Waterford we know exactly what they're like they, they work so incredibly hard we know that we have a tough battle against us next week but I think we can build on the last 10 minutes from today and really drive on into next weekend and hopefully come out of there with a win 
Yeah, because the goal here is keep playing in Munster as long as you can get to a final because that sets you up for the All-Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we, we want to be playing in a Munster final. That's where everybody playing in the Munster Championship wants to be. And look, going into to the All-Ireland, then, you know, the series, then you're set up. So we want to play for as long as we can. We want to play as many games as we can and we want to win as many of them as we can as well. Congratulations on the comeback. Well done. Thanks very much, Chair. OK, Shane Ronan, hard to... To, hard to sur- surmise that game, but 2-4 unanswered in the last few minutes. When you look dead and buried, that is a, a, a fantastic comeback. Shows guts, shows heart, but also shows what this Cork team is made of when they were put up, when their backs were against the wall. Yeah, look, I suppose, sure, I, I, this would have been a different... I was expecting a different interview, you know, uh, 10, 10 minutes before the end, but look, great battling qualities from the girls, you know. Things were going against us, uh, you know, little decisions, I suppose, refereeing ones, you know, both, two big decisions again, both went against us. We'd be very disappointed about that. But I suppose, and uh, lots of, I suppose, some of our players just were having half days but you know that's why we've got a squad and I think the bench were absolutely brilliant like Orla Callan was very disappointed Friday night when we told her she wasn't playing um, but she showed how good she is today and I suppose that's you know 1-1 one, one off the bench probably scored a goal with her first touch um, you know Emer Kiley a bullet of a goal like you know and she was very unlucky just before that she had tried one you know um, you know, and I think look we've got great players they've got great heart they've worked incredibly hard since the league finished and I suppose um you know, I'm delighted that they kept going today, and I think, as I said, when things weren't going, when things weren't going our way, they still battled, and I think that's very, very important. And looked at, you know, I'm delighted with that impact of the bench. Look, Mara Callan as well there, came on played the captain's part in the last ten minutes. You know, put in a couple of big physical hits, which which Kerry were doing all day, and I think I suppose that's something we've got to look at. Kerry are looked their serious outfit. Um, I'm not surprised the way they played today. Um, I'm just a bit disappointed by the way I suppose we re- we responded to them. But I think we our, our response in the last 10, 15 minutes, and we could have stole it. Mm. You know, I was reminiscent of you know of 2014 our Ireland final. It was like you know that massive comeback. And look, we did it again this year against the Dublin against Dublin. We brought it back level. So look, that's a never scenario issue that we have. We've created that in the camp this year. They're never beaten. And I think look. If we can start out a few things, you know, as, as we go on, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's going to get better. But I suppose we have to stop getting ourselves into those positions. So we know that as well. There's a lot, there's a lot of players and their girls who came off. They'll know maybe it wasn't, it wasn't their day today. And look, we've got a few knocks, a few, few injuries and things like that. Look, poor Etch Lee, he's out for the season, I'd say, Jar. Um, you know, I'd say it's probably it's a bad knee injury. So look, we've had to deal with that as well this week. And like, you know, our sisters on the team, that's, that's not easy. Like, you know, and you, you know, they're a very close bunch as well. So, you know, when you get bad news like that Thursday, that, you know, that throws people a bit. So, Look, there's the human side of it, so we've got cognizant of all that, and look, but we're very, very happy. They're a great bunch. You know, never say die, and I'm very happy with that. Yeah, it's a fantastic comeback. It's an all-early contender, as you said. No, next weekend down in West Cork is a huge weekend for Cork LGV because you take on Waterford in all intents and purposes a semi-final for a Munster Championship. You want to win that, but you also want to get the supporters out to get behind you. Yeah, look, we're delighted. I suppose when, when we had, I suppose the, the leeway to, to pick our venues, we look, we we wanted to you know bring a game to West Cork. There hasn't been a, a championship game down there. I don't know when the last one was or where if there was ever one before. And I suppose look, we have a huge West Cork. Uh, of the panel there's loads of girls there you know West Cork football is, is absolutely flying and look we're delighted to be going down to Clannock Kilty you know Clannock Kilty back putting sponsor our underage team so look we're delighted to be going down there I know they're very excited about it we're really looking forward to it as well it's a fantastic venue and I suppose um, you know I'm hoping to get, hoping there'll be a big crowd you know, at the game I know they're doing mini games at halftime so it's, look it'll be a festival of football next weekend down there we're really looking forward to it um, you know, and hopefully we can get a big West Cork down, following down and I know the way things are being talked about that, that we will have a big crowd out there but and look it's, it's now a winner take all game we win we're, 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 in, we're in the final Warford win they're in the final you know and it, it, that's how big a game it is but you know I probably was, it was always even if we'd beaten Kerry today 
we were still going down there and if Waterford beaten us it could have been a three way tie you know if, if they'd beaten Tipperary today which they've done so it was always going to be a game where we can't you know take our foot off the pedal we can't rest players uh, I suppose Carrier in the position now you know they're you know again they could be in trouble as well like they don't have to beat Tip as well so look we said at the start of this championship it's going to be nip and tuck all the teams are you know three points ourselves in Tip last week two points in the Waterford Tip game today this is a draw you know Kerry got a late goal last week to win by six it's really, really competitive and I think that's going to stand to us as the year goes on. So, look, we're really looking forward to next weekend. Right, we heard the reaction there from the Cork Campbell. Let's talk to the man who's in Parky Creef for us and that is Mr. Jerm McCarthy, the hardest working person in the business, the host of the Women in Sport podcast every Thursday on redfm.ie. Jer, there's comebacks and there's comebacks. This was a comeback from Cork. Yeah, and then some, uh, Rory, last night, uh, the Cork Hurlers, as we, as we, uh, we, 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 uh, heard on uh, True Cork Thread FM social media a fantastic comeback there on a draw with Tipperary in front of 36,000 over 36,000 fans today we didn't have the crows but we certainly had a similar comeback um, it was 2.12 to 10 points in Kerry's favour with 10 minutes remaining of this Munster um, LGFA clash and to all intents and purposes it looked Cork looked dead and buried now Louise Nemera Hertig for Kerry had a nap was outstanding on the day. She scored 1-7 before going off injured, but as soon as she went off injured, Cork just seemed to click up a gear. They brought on Orla Callan off the bench. She scored 1-1. And then Emer Coyley, who's been Cork's best player so far this year, arrowed in an absolute screamer. So uh, to reduce it down to 2-14 to 2-13 deep into injury time. And then Katie Cork, another person with a fantastic game, she scored the equalising point. A draw for Cork when it all intents and purposes it looked like a loss and Kerry looked like they had dominated for much of that second half. It's it's a really, really positive result for Shane Ronan and his players. And what it does is it sets up a must-win game against Waterford in Clannacilty next Sunday where if Cork win, they're into a Munster final. What clicked for Cork in the last couple of minutes, sure? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a combination of the substitutions that Shane Ronan made, I think they had a positive effect. Laura Manny, Dara Coyley, Aoife Healy and certainly Orla Callan and Maura Callan came on they started making their presence felt they started throwing themselves about uh, physically it was a real physical battle today Rory between a very um, two very very good teams but, but certainly in the third, second and third quarter Kerry completely dominated and, and Cork it's something Shane Renane spoke about they're going to have to address that because they felt so far behind you know you can't keep producing these comebacks week in week out but Kerry were certainly physically on top in those two quarters and I think just the the realisation that you know there was very little time left and that they had to start going for it and they just found another gear um, there was a lot of players that didn't play well today by their own by Shane's admission um, and I think it took that substitute bench, substitutes bench and those changes to kickstart a comeback but I would certainly say Ordeca Halan's introduction was probably the most important she got 1-1 in 12 minutes and she nearly got a second goal um, Emer Coyley as I said has been really good all year but the whole team just responded I think to Orla's introduction when she got that goal and I think Kerry just didn't know what was what hit them and they didn't have an answer for them now Nimura Hertig's uh, absence going off with injury as well was certainly a factor in the closing stages but look I, I think a combination of just not accepting defeat and bringing on the players at the right time and you know just, just digging deep it, it sounds like a cliche mm. but that's really what they had to do and I think as as important as the draw was and as exciting finish as we had we can't deny either that Cork did not perform for two quarters of that game and that's something that Shane and the players will have to address in the week uh, in this week before they play Waterford because trust me having seen Cork play Waterford in the National League this year Cork will have to be at their best to beat them At the same time Jura, um, a dramatic comeback like that is going to do wonders for, for morale and confidence heading into next Sunday's game 
Yes, and uh, and timely, I think, uh, Rory, because that game when they met each other in the National League this year above and Kilkenny, uh, that's right, Kilkenny, mm-hmm. um, Waterford got the better of it for nearly 58, 59 minutes and it took a late point again for Cork to earn a draw that day. This is a serious Waterford team that beat Tipperary today and that were winning against Kerry in their previous match. So the four teams in the Cork Munster Championship this year at senior level, there's not much between them and I include Tipperary in that also um, it's a really tough championship I suppose the real positive for Cork as you said is the comeback will will, will give them a boost and something they badly need going into that game but also these matches in years gone by Rory as you'd have known as the big red benches covered them in the Munster Ladies Football Championship it was usually with the greatest respect to the other counties it was normally Cork and Kerry ended up in the final it was normally Cork and Kerry racking up big wins that is no longer the case Tipperary are just as good as are Waterford and they've proven that in the previous rounds so I think the fact that Cork are getting these tough matches irrespective of the result next weekend that might take them in to a Munster final these are going to stand to Cork when the All-Ireland Championship starts that's the key thing I think for Shane he said that as well he's happy that you know they're getting these tough tests that they might normally have gotten in years mm-hmm. gone by they're certainly getting them now and they're having to dig deep and certainly come up with you know a lot of a lot of answers like they were they had to do today there is some bad news as well it looks like Rachel Leahy's injury um, could root her out for the rest of the year and that's a big blow to Cork um, on a day when like there's an awful lot of positivity about the comeback unfortunately Shane did say that that Rachel Lee looks like she's out but look on the whole coming back from 2.12 to not 10 down getting the subs on everybody making a contribution and you know drawing with a really really good Kerry team that's an All-Ireland contender that are the National League champions and last year's All-Ireland runners up it's a positive frame of mind to take into next weekend when they face Waterford and as you mentioned at the start, sure, um, that was one comeback that you witnessed. The second comeback last night um, in Parky Quay in front of 36,000 people was just one of the most ridiculous games of hurling I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and I have to apologise to all the nice people who were following me on the big red bench Twitter account. The, the full-time result did not come through because one, my voice was nearly gone, and two, I don't think people would have heard me anyway. So some of the dispatches I got out from Parky Quay last night, the last 10 minutes, Rory, I, I've not experienced a, an atmosphere and a noise level like that in I don't know how long and I think opening the two terraces and filling the ground added to the atmosphere mm. but Pat Ryan and this Cork team they were done much like the Cork ladies footballers today they were in serious trouble but again guys off the bench made the difference Brian Hayes from the bars coming on and getting that goal near the end and just the roar that Cork got um, every time they scored in that final 10 minutes you could see because the players were out on their feet at that stage and like let's give some props here to Tipperary as well they're a seriously good team you know um, losing Robbie O'Flynn to injury was a huge setback after he scored a brilliant goal but this Cork team all year long not just in the Munster Championship but in the National League as well they've been fronting up physically and they've been they've been staging these kind of comebacks and it does bode very very well and those last 10 minutes Rory the noise level the atmosphere it was just mm. all around us you could not hear yourself think it, it was a fantastic advert for the Munster Hurling Championship but I have to say and I'm saying this and this is just my opinion not that of Corkshire FM or the Big Red Bench it is a real shame that that match was not free to air Correct. for whatever reason Correct. last night and the same for the Clare and Limerick game the week before these are two of the best matches that have not an awful lot of people have not gotten an opportunity to see that's just my own opinion but um, I couldn't help thinking that walk out last night. The buzz around the ground before 
upper hand. The buzz afterwards, even uh, even in all the traffic, it took about an hour and a half to get home, Rory, but nobody seemed to care. There was no hassle. Everybody was just in good form. It was such a positive night for Munster hurling. It's just a shame not an awful lot of people didn't get to witness it live. But you did get to follow us on the big red bench through the social media channels. <laughs> it was just like being there, Joe. It was just like being there, boy. Nothing beats being there. What's that going to do now for Cork going forward? I mean, like a, oh. a great comeback last night and we heard Pat Ryan maybe a little bit disappointed about how his side played for a bit of the game. But um, what's that going to do for Cork now going forward? I think the crucial thing coming out of this match more than anything is that the Cork players now know that they belong like that they've 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 evolved to a level where they have a realistic chance of getting out of Munster this year. That's the first thing. It is not going to be easy because they have two away games against Clare and then against Limerick. The way the results might go next weekend, or we don't know how the results are going to go next weekend, but what we do know is Cork probably going into their last game will need to get a result in Limerick. That's the key thing here. So the top three teams go through from Munster this year into the All-Ireland Championship. The bottom two don't. But the level of performance, I think, that Pat Ryan has delivered. And remember, I, I was saying this to a lot of people last night. Even if Cork had lost last night, this is still Pat Ryan's. It's his first year. Mm. That was only his second senior inter-county Munster Championship match. He can't work miracles this quickly. But he, he has brought the entire panel, I think. He has developed them through the National League a lot quicker than I expected. And that's a seriously good Tipperary team that they drew with last night. It could have beaten um, the first day against Waterford. They blew Waterford away in the opening 15 minutes. The game was over after 20. Um, you didn't learn an awful lot from that, but you could see the Cork and what Cork were trying to do. I suppose the big thing for Cork hurling, Rory, more than anything, is that there's realistic hope of getting out of Munster this year. There's realistic hope of going into Ennis and actually getting a win there. And the same, going into Limerick. They should have no fear of the All-Ireland champions. The pressure will be on the home teams. But I do think, if I'm being really honest... It's, a, it's, it's an opportunity lost last night. Had Cork won that game and won their two opening games, the pressure would be off that little bit more going into the final two away matches that they've mm-hmm. got. But what I've seen so far from Cork, and they are picking up injuries. It looks like Robbie Upton going to be out for a couple of weeks. The depth of the panel since Pat Ryan come, has come in has definitely become stronger. And what I mean by that is, much like the ladies footballers today, there are game changers coming off the bench. Shane Kingston, uh, had a real impact last night when he came on. He was everywhere and it was a menace every time he got in the ball. Brian Hayes as well, getting that late goal. And all of the Cork subs made a big contribution. And we're going to need that if we want to get out of Munster before we even start talking about in All-Ireland. And it's interesting, the parallels between the two games and the two draws over the weekends for the Cork senior ladies and the Cork senior men's footballers because, you know, it's no longer a 15-person game. You need five game changers coming on to make a difference and thankfully from this weekend Cork Ladies Football and Cork Senior Hurlers have those Alright sure thanks so much for joining us on the Big Red Bench this evening buddy No matter Yeah always a pleasure to talking to Jeremy McCarthy and as mentioned at the top of that chat the Women's Sport Podcast every Thursday with Jeremy McCarthy um, you can get that on redfm.ie or subscribe to the Big Red Bench Podcast uh, on iTunes and Spotify or from wherever you get your podcasts and uh, you can find it there alright uh, motorsport and uh, it is the Miami Grand Prix tonight uh, should be an interesting race for more on it spoke to our resident uh, F1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley let's talk motorsport now and the Miami Grand Prix taking place this evening half eight Irish time uh, we are getting underway this evening our resident F1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins us on the line now um, the Mayo Grand Prix Sarah first off what's your thoughts on the track how, how, how would you rate it 
I think it's um, it's a bit underwhelming. You know, it looks very exciting with the sort of, you know, fake marina and all the sort of bright colours. But I think it doesn't quite deliver, which which is tricky. It's only year two, to be fair. I might be being a bit, a bit overly cynical, but I think... It could be interesting this weekend, though, because there is a potential of uh, of more rain. It rained really heavily overnight, which would have kind of washed away mm. any of the rubber that would have been put down over the weekend. And it is the the cars were already struggling for grip. So I think that could potentially introduce a kind of a bit more of a, a risky element into it. So, you know, you're not hoping for crashes, obviously, but you're hoping for for some some form of entertainment, hopefully uh, overtakes. But we'll, we'll see. And it was certainly um, a crash that uh, made all the headlines in qualifying when Charles Leclerc uh, spun out, cost uh, Verstappen a chance at uh, going for pole position. And now we're in a business where Sergio Perez uh, leads us out tonight. Yeah, and I think uh, definitely, as you said, Max Verstappen will be cursing Charles Leclerc. (laughs) Uh, That was his second time putting his Ferrari in the wall this weekend. So I don't necessarily think the team would have been delighted with him, but equally... They can't, I suppose they can't be too angry either. Uh, he has had to to switch up some parts and put some new parts in, so that may may scupper him towards the end of the season. But I think, you know, it, it was it was something interesting at least. You know, I think returning to the normal format of of the Grand Prix weekend after the test last time out in Baku, mm. it has proved to a certain extent that the original format is a little bit dull, and I think that was probably the only kind of standout thing that really happened. In qualifying, um, I had mentioned during the show with Aidan yesterday that we should watch out for Lando Norris, but unfortunately, actually, <laughs> the pace the pace seemed to disappear for both McLarens. They both went out in Q1. The other big surprise was Lance Stroll went out early in the Aston Martin. So I think it could be interesting to mix up, you know, starting positions, at least for the first, the, the top 10. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of an unknown entity, I think, uh, I think for this evening. So Verstappen starts in ninth. He says he's targeting a podium place after, like I suppose, starting in ninth. It's going to be a battle for him to get up the grid. I think he, you know, obviously he has the car to do it. I think the real question is what can everyone else do to try to hold him up? Because I think that <laughs> will very much be uh, the the kind of chief objective of all those cars in front of him. And it'll be interesting, especially depending on the weather conditions, whether they're able to do that because. As I say, the cars have been struggling for grip and the temperatures will be a lot lower than what they've been dealing with all weekend. So tyre performance is going to be a challenge as well. Um, Pirelli is predicting that the fastest race strategy would be a one-stopper. But I think that would be very, very dependent on what happens with the weather. Uh, And a sensational performance from Kevin Magnussen as well to finish fourth. It's Haas' first ever top four start in a Grand Prix. That was a sensational run from him. Yeah, I mean, obviously a bit of a, you know, under strange circumstances, which isn't the first time he's sort of landed a, <laughs> a nice grid position in those in those circumstances. But it's it's great to see, you know, and to be fair to him, actually, you know, getting that car into Q3 was was its own, you know, achievement. And I think both Alpines also in the top 10. So we did have a bit of a mix up. We also have Valtteri Bottas starting a lot higher up than he has so far this season. So I think that's been a positive from the weekend, definitely, is seeing more a more mixed up kind of top 10 amongst the teams it'll be just interesting to see whether the the race strategy and the race pace can can kind of continue in that fashion i would be surprised if it did but i I would love if it did also Uh, what are you predicting for tonight sir who's gonna see it out 
I think Sergio Perez will be hard to beat if he's able to keep track position. I definitely think Max Verstappen is a big threat and a very likely podium. And then I think look out for Alonso. I think he's definitely in in a solid position to challenge them. And I really am not sure about the Ferraris. I think Leclerc has looked unsure all weekend, obviously with those two crashes and, and Sainz doesn't look to be at his most confident right now. So I think it's probably back to the Aston Martin and, and Red Bull combination for me. All right, half eight is starting tonight. As always, Sarah, thanks for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. It was a pleasure talking to Sarah McKenzie Foley about all things F1. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking to Owen O'Connell about getting promoted with Wrexham. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Delighted you could join us on the Big Red Bench. Arsenal closing in on a 2-0 win over Newcastle. That keeps our title hopes alive. Get your report on that when the full-time whistle blows. But now we are going to talk about Wrexham and the incredible season that they have had. Getting promoted to the Football League after over 15 years of being in the National League. Of course, famous now because of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and their investment and their ownership of the club. And uh, their huge involvement and of course the Disney um, documentary Welcome to Wrexham which I thoroughly enjoyed to the point where I've watched Wrexham against Notts County this year was cheering on Wrexham watched them against Boreham Wood as they got promoted was cheering that on as well and it was fantastic to see them get promoted but there is a core connection um, to that and that is of course uh, Owen O'Connell who um, was signed for the club uh, I mean, late January was made uh, uh, a viral video was made by um, Rob and Ryan, which Ryan couldn't pronounce Owen. He went for Dugan, which was very, very funny. Um, but he was uh, a central part in that Wrexham team from February on in and helping them to get promoted. Uh, I was delighted to talk to him earlier on in the week. I think it was uh, Wednesday was after their parade before they jetted off to Las Vegas after they were brought over there by the owners. So absolutely delighted uh, to talk uh, to uh, Bonzi about uh, getting promoted and uh, everything else that went along with this season. Right, delighted to be joined on the line by Wrexham's Owen O'Connell to talk about their incredible season, their incredible promotion to the Football League after an absence of 15 years and a whirlwind couple of months for the former Cork City man himself. Owen, a pleasure having you on, on the Big Red Bench today. Thanks, Rory. Thanks very much. Yeah, nice to be on. Thanks a million for, uh, for coming in. Um, I was watching videos of the bus parade yesterday through Wrexham. It looked absolutely insane. How was it? Yeah, it was mental, to be honest. Um, I think we got on the bus at like quarter past six and we were expecting to kind of be around quite quickly, but we were on there for nearly three hours. It was ridiculous. It was packed with every... We kind of... We left from the stadium and drove all the way through the town and every turn we took there seemed to be more people, more and more people, so it was mental. But it was just like we were all saying we've kind of never really experienced anything like it, so it was it was ridiculous. Like, what is it with um, Wrexham and the connection it has with the supporters? Because just looking on from afar, it looks like there's a very close bond between the supporters and the team. It is. It is to be honest. Yeah. Well, I, I played against them a few years ago in the cup, and they had a big crowd there. And obviously, the, the, there's a kind of big history with the ground there. It's quite a famous stadium and stuff. And club's always been well supported I think it was just the fact there was obviously money issues and trouble with the with the ownership so I think when the when the lads come in and took over I think it, it almost kicks that everything again but it's 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 been mad every week is like um sold out at home it's almost it's always a rush for tickets and even 
where kind of like it's it's the first club I've been at really where there's a struggle to get tickets for your mm. like friends and family for games because it's just that rammed every week so it's 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 ridiculous like it's mad Reminds me a bit of um, Cork City, I suppose, in the way that a team can just be taken over by a town and the town just gets so wrapped up in the team. I think that's what it is, yeah. I think, um, to be fair to, like, Rob and Ryan, they've done a lot of work in, like, the town itself as well. So it's, like, I think everyone feels involved, you know what I mean? And it just, like, even even arriving at the stadium on a Saturday, you get out of the car and there's, like, there's hundreds of people outside the ground waiting for you to get in. It takes 20 minutes to get from your car into the into the stadium. So it's, like... It's just things like that add to kind of the experience for everyone. And I think, yeah, it's 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 an unbelievable day, especially the home games. Yeah, getting over the line uh, must have been an incredible feeling. That game against Boreham Wood, um, when you finally clinched promotion, just the feeling. Can you describe that for me? Yeah, I, to be honest, I think it was just it was just pure relief. And I, I only signed in January as well, so I think the lads have kind of been playing with that pressure almost every game. You know, from the start of the season, being neck and neck, kind of with Notts County, who always kept winning and. Um, yeah, I was, I kinda, I, I, it kind of dawned on me straight away as soon as we came in, like that. You know, we needed to win every game, and from straight away from the first game I played, that it was just going to be that way until the end of the season. And um, it was just honestly, it was just pure. Like the last few games, there was a bit of tension kind of around the stadium and stuff, obviously, because I think you know it, it, there was nerves. The club's been out of the football league for 15 years, I think. So it was just about how we we could get over the line, and there was. It was just pure joy and kind of relief when we did it that night at Bournemouth. And it was it was nice to do it at home as well, I think, so we could kind of celebrate properly with everyone and, and all the supporters. What's your feeling though when you go a goal down in what, 50 odd seconds? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a strange feeling to be honest because yeah. uh, I was involved in the goal as well and it was kind of like, sometimes that would kind of throw you off. And I kind of said to a few of the lads next week, we actually felt really comfortable about five or ten minutes in. It was just, we, we, played, we played the Oval on the Tuesday. And it was nil all at half time and it was very, very nervy and I kinda of thought then when we conceded that goal against Warren Wood, it was almost as if it like burst the balloon, just released all the tension in, in the ground and we actually played really well after that mm. and then I think I knew I knew as soon as we scored before half time that we were gonna go on and win it. But in a strange way it almost helped us, I think, to be honest. Yeah, I suppose yeah, it kinda of deflates the crowd a bit, takes that nervous tension out of it, and then you've got to yeah. focus on it and then as you say, a little eager that goal and then Paul Mullen steps up, um, an absolute superstar in Rex, and those two goals he got against Bournemouth Wood are just, uh, I suppose, um, emblematic of what he can do on a regular basis. That guy's a machine. Unbelievable, yeah, unbelievable. Like, um, he, like some some of the goals he scored this year, I think, like the way we play as well, it isn't really served up kind of on a like you know silver platter to him. It's it's like he does a lot of scores, a lot of goals himself, and does a lot of the work for himself. It's like. It's it's ridiculous. I've never played with like, especially with goal scorer like that, a more like selfless teammate as well. He just wants to run and run and run for the team nonstop, and you know to score as many goals as he has been incredible. And you know those two goals are just a kind of snippet of what he's done all season. Some of the goals he scored even since I've come in have been incredible and all at important moments when you need it as well. Really, um, talk to me about that Notts County game three two. You win. You're against your rivals. Um, one of the most exciting games I've seen at any level uh, in a couple of years. It was just an incredible game of football. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was unbelievable. I think, um, like, the way the game went. I think when we scored to make it two one, I felt pretty comfortable in the game, and then they kind of almost scored from nothing, and then for us to go ahead again, it was like it was. It was back and forth the whole time. It's. I think the way the two teams play is almost contrasting styles as well. Made made it for a good game. We, you know, they were playing the high line and tried to keep the ball, whereas we were trying to just 
get in behind them. So it, it made for an exciting encounter. And then obviously you had the, the drama, the penalty at the end of it to, to add into everything. It was almost like uh, it was almost like it was scripted. It was it was it was unbelievable. It was like it was a strange feeling after that. As soon as the penalty was saved, and then it was oh, it was just unbelievable. It was an unbelievable game. It was one of those games. Sometimes when you're in it, you don't realize like you know how good it is. But when I was playing the game, I was thinking this is some game. And then I got off and I had so many messages, same as you from from lads I've known and played with and said like that that was one of the best mm. games they've seen in years so it was it was, it was was a mad game I know you can probably laugh about it now but what's going through your head when the, the penalties awarded yeah it was a, it was strange to be honest I'm always kind of at peace <laughs> with stuff like that now it's like you know it comes as, as, it comes with the territory that I think um, it, it was quite windy there I think the cross almost got caught in the wind because I yeah, yeah. almost taken my eye off the ball to try to get to the back post because I think they had a few men over and before I realised the ball was just in front of me and then it's obviously hit me. It probably is a penalty. I think I was hoping to get away with it, but um, yeah, I was. You know, I th- I'd be quite um, obviously if he scored, it, w- it might have been a different story. But I'd be quite um, quite at ease with stuff like that because mm. it's just sometimes there's nothing you can do about it, and it's, and it's par for the course when you're when you're a defender, really. I think Ryan Reynolds was a tweeter after that saying that's why you bring in Ben Foster, and that is why you bring in Ben Foster. That was a ridiculous save, and considering he was happily enjoying retirement a couple of weeks ago, for him to get up to that level has been fantastic. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was. Some penalties are like you say. Oh, it's, it's, it's a decent. The guy he hit the he hit the, the penalty well. It was a great save. And um, yeah, I think you know he was like you say happily retired. I think he said he was spending most of his time playing golf every day. So um, <laughs> to come out and kind of produce the performances he did for us for the last, I think, it was seven or eight games was was unreal. And I think it just adding someone like that kind of reverberates around the whole team as well. It gives everyone confidence and. Um, yeah, he was a big signing for us, definitely. I'm sure you're all going to spend uh, some time convincing him to stay on for another season. <laughs> yeah, I actually played golf with him yesterday, so we were kind of speaking about it, but I wouldn't be one to put him under pressure, but I'm sure he'll <laughs> make his own decision. And, and and to be honest, I think he's been the same as me. I think and everyone else has signed. They've been gripped by the whole club and everything that's going on there. So I'd imagine it won't be an easy decision one way or the other, but it's up to him, whatever he does, I suppose. Um, as you say, you joined the club um, in January of this year. Um, did it take much convincing, I suppose, to drop down a couple of levels to Wrexham? And what was it that I suppose Phil Parkinson had to say to you to, to help you come in, come on board? Um, yeah, it was. To be honest, it was it was it was a strange one because um, I was quite settled at, at Charlton. I uh, I signed there in the summer and um, I played every game up until I had knee surgery in November. Then I missed a few months and it was just. I was just getting back fit from that and then it was coming up to the, I actually watched the Sheffield United game the night before and then got a call about it the next day and it was kind of like oh it has to be done because tomorrow's the deadline day I don't think it was there was a deadline in the National League but it was something to do with Charlton and money and things like that but it, to be honest it didn't really it didn't really take much um, it was like you know the project of it and it's always always something I want to be a part of really to be like something on the up with, with a long-term plan at a club and, and, and try and be successful and I think you know I said when I when I moved away I wanted to have things to remember remember my career by and, and try and build a legacy somewhere and, and have some medals to to remember it so hopefully um, hopefully that one's the first of many and hopefully I can be here for a few years yet and kick on Yeah and the um, announcement video must have been a surreal moment for you and I suppose kind of a glimpse into I suppose the fishbowl life that I suppose Wrexham players are living now because of the documentary and because of the owners, yeah, it was it was mad because um, I I don't have Twitter, so I think they put it out on Twitter. So I was driving from London to Wrexham, and it, it took me about five or six hours to get up the road. So 
I wasn't on my phone and I pulled up to go in and do the medical and just had a quick look and it was like I, I had about I'd say about 50 messages of people just sent, sending the video through to me um, so it was yeah it was mad it was like it was more for my family and stuff as well my wife sending me stuff through and, and things um, I think for them to kind of enjoy it I was I actually wasn't really involved until I finished the medical and that wasn't until like kind of 11 o'clock at night so um, I was catching up and everything when I got home then but it was mad I think mm. it, it was kind of a a brief look into what was to come really with everything um, with everything that's going on at the club like you say the documentary and stuff but it, it's, it's huge it's become huge it's massive like so mm. it's uh, yeah it's, it's, a weird, it's a surreal feeling really Had you seen the documentary before you signed? I'd watched a few episodes yeah I hadn't watched all of it to be honest I've got my little girl's only two so she mm. kind of puts pay to, to having time to watch <laughs> stuff like that is. but um, we've caught up on a few episodes since and um, I'm sure everyone would kind of want to start watching it now once, once I think in the next series if, mm. if, if obviously we'll come into it so it'll be, um, I'll have to catch up before that <laughs> I suppose you're a little bit removed from it because you haven't featured in the documentary yet you will obviously feature quite heavily in season 2 but for the lads that were featured last season and for them to be I suppose become almost overnight celebrities how have they found it and how have they dealt with it? Yeah to be honest it seems just pretty natural um, all the crew that would be around like the training ground and stuff are almost friends now so you know we, we, we kind of spend time with them and stuff like that so it's it's uh, it, I think it takes a bit get, getting used to for lads but um, to be honest I think the situation we were in when I signed almost helped me to deal with it because we were so focused on uh, just winning every game that you, you couldn't really allow yourself to get you know taken aback by everything that was going on that's what kind of has impressed me most about all the lads that they deal with everything that's going on and are so focused on on you know, having to win every game non-stop almost to the end of the season is, is like, I think, an unbelievable achievement. But it's almost as if it's natural to everyone now. And I think, to be fair, they make it easy. They make they make it easy for you to settle in with, with things and that you want they want you to do or that they're around. And it's almost like they're not really there um, at, at times, mm. you know, really because it's so natural when you're speaking to them and obviously treating them as, like, friends as well. Yeah, and Rob and Ryan have become, I suppose, almost the patron saints of Wrexham over the last couple of years. They, the work they've done for the club... And uh, the National League as a whole, Welsh football as a whole, is just sensational. Oh, it's it's unreal. Um, and even like you know, the effort they make with all with all the players and and all the families. Like if I spent uh, the day with them at the women's game a few weeks back, um, you know, met all their family. They met my family, and even after we got promoted, it was the same. I had a few friends over, speaking to them and stuff. It was like. It's 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 incredible, really. The the effort they put in with everything, the the work they put into the town, and even to kind of like you know, I'm sure they have busy schedules to come over for things like the open top bus parade to experience that. Last night was like another thing. It's just they, they get everything right. To be fair, and you know, it's an incredible thing to be part of. And it's like um, I think the way you know how they're so open and just even being on the other end of a phone or the. Mm. you'd be sitting on the couch some night and you'd get a text off one of them it's just it's just mad it's <laughs> like uh, they're so open to everyone really yeah it must be kind of still a um, surreal for you I guess getting a text off Deadpool or, or meeting Paul Rudd after a game and stuff like that I, I suppose it becomes natural after a while but it still must be like you must still be pinching yourself a little I guess yeah I think so I wouldn't really be one to get like uh, starstruck or that but obviously when you're when you're introducing them and meet it's 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 it's, it's a mad feeling but Again, it's it's almost become so natural now to be like, 
to be to be friends with them and kind of swap messages and stuff. And even Rob likes to play golf, so we're trying to set up a game of golf and stuff like that. So it's like little things like that. Them just making the effort, I think, makes you feel a lot more comfortable with everything. And um, yeah, it's it, it's just down to them really, but um, the effort they put in with everyone. And they're all taking you off to Vegas as well tomorrow, I believe. So it's a nice reward for what's been an incredible season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to that. I think um, it's been a long kind of been because we got promoted with the second last game I think it's been a kind of long drawn out kind of celebrations and um, so we've almost been looking forward to this trip now since since we knew we were going so it's uh, we're, we're looking forward to heading over there and I'm, I'm sure it'll be a quiet one to be honest <laughs> I'm sure it will and not to look too far ahead but when you go into League 2 next season how well equipped is this Wrexham squad to compete in League 2? Yeah, very well I think you know um, we haven't really kind of spoke about or, or looked forward obviously we've just finished but you know, obviously, I've played in League Two before, and a lot of the lads in in our squad have played in League One and League Two. So it's, um, you know, it, it'll be down to the manager, obviously, to decide what what way he wants to go with everything. But I feel like you know, um, we're well equipped, and obviously, we've got one eye on next season already. But I think you have to. It's important to kind of enjoy the celebrations first, and then we've got a long break. Actually, to be fair, it's the longest break I've had since since I've come over here. So. Um, We'll relax and kind of then I think in a few weeks start thinking about next season and then uh, drive into it from there It's been an incredible year it's been incredible watching from the sidelines and I can't wait for season 2 of the documentary Owen uh, a pleasure buddy thanks very much for joining us congratulations again and sure look we'll talk to you next season I guess Thanks Rory thanks for having me on take care next one Yeah thoroughly enjoyed chatting to Owen O'Connell there about uh, Wrexham and his new uh, buddies and uh, the incredible season that Wrexham have in season 2 of Welcome to Wrexham is going to be absolutely fantastic Fantastic. All right, let's get a full-time report from Newcastle and Arsenal. Stephen Goldsmith. Newcastle nil, Arsenal two. A tricky assignment handled by Arsenal, who keep their slim title hopes alive while securing second. A goal in each half did it. Odegaard with a screamer from outside the box, which was very much against the run of play at the time. That woke them up, and Nick Pope kept Newcastle in it for the remainder of the half. Then, after chances at both ends, including a Ramsdale wonder save, Martinelli's lengthy run, then cross into the box, was turned into his own net it's finished Newcastle nil, Arsenal 2 Alright let's play the second part of our conversation with uh, Kieran O'Sullivan the Basketball Ireland coach of the year after leading Emporian Cork basketball to the Super League title in just their second season at this level uh, it was really uh, enjoyable chatting with Kieran about uh, his season and everything that went into it and this is part two of our chat uh, that we had Do you feel like you were underdogs throughout the season? Yeah, yeah, d- definitely, definitely. There was a lot of lot of good teams. I suppose Tralee had won the two trophies last year. Like our conference alone, Mary went, um, they went twenty and three on the whole season, something like that. They had mm. a really good team. They won the national cup. Blue Demons uh, had an amazing season. They did something very similar to us the year previous. They had ran the table in the national league, got promoted, mm. came up and and surprised everybody. Um, they struggled early, but once they they, they got a a really good American player in MJ Randolph in who won player of the year mm. afterwards once they got him in they were they were really tough to beat and we ended up beating them in the in the semi-final so I think alone in Cork you had the three teams going really well Tralee uh, were excellent who who'd won who had won the, the the double last year and then Mary so that was our, our conference the yeah. Southern Conference alone was just a dogfight all year long so I never felt we were the strongest team coming out of there so to, to win it um, I think a big part of it was that the competition we had in that conference was 
was massive, you know, because you play home and away, and that was a real test for us. Come mm. out of that. Getting to the final must have been just, I suppose, beyond your wildest dreams before the start of the season. I imagine, or did you have an inkling that this team could do it? I think talent-wise, we would have thought, yeah, it's possible. But if you had told me, you know, in in late January, early February, would would we have reached reached the final? I would have said it would be it would be really really mm. difficult. But I think that we just got into a real nice kind of uh, flow and rhythm, and there was a comfort to what we were doing. We were playing Aina away in the quarter final, which that everyone would have, everybody in the basketball fraternity would have said, no way, we were coming out of there with a win, mm-hmm. and 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 we picked that one up, and then we were underdogs again in the semi final, going to, into the Mardike Arena to Demons, who had won eleven of their last twelve, but they were on a, a really big run. So like those two games to get to the final were just just massive and gave us huge confidence then going into the final. Yeah, what's the, the final build up then like for you as a coach? How do you get your team ready? How do you keep the lads' feet on the ground? How do you keep nerves from creeping in? I suppose. Yeah, d- or is nerves just a d- natural the nerves part are part. Of it? Of it. Yeah. They're so experienced. These guys, I wasn't worried on that side of things. The only thing I was worried about was that the mindset would shift. What had worked for us was maybe the underdog card. Mm-hmm. And and that's what was really successful for us in the quarter final and semi final. So I was just kind of kept saying to the guys, Daniel was the same, just like the team we're playing, you know, have have lost a couple of games all year. They've won I think they only lost one game post Christmas. They lost they lost in January the week before the cup final, which was probably a good time to lose for them. Yeah. They'd won the cup. They, they had been to the National Basketball Arena where the game was going to be played. So we felt like I felt if if that message just kept going across to the guys that lads we we've everything to play for here we're going to have to be near perfect on both ends offensively and defensively to get over the line. I think once that message went through, I think we were okay. We mm-hmm. were underdogs. It's nice to be favourites in a final, you know, because you're you're expected to win. But I just felt the way we were going, we weren't as big as underdogs as I suppose as, as most people would have thought we were you know so you were con- confident heading into the final so yeah yeah very confident very confident it helped that that Owen Rockall wasn't there but I suppose throughout the year I mentioned earlier about John's injury Dylan's injury Adrian Jose missed two games I suppose you get a bit of luck too as well towards the end of the year we had everything had just cleared up for us which mm. was great they were missing Owen who's who's a very influential player for them and I just felt then by that that just shifted the scales even more. So mm. when we heard that, you know, we felt we had every chance then. You know, you obviously knew that family wedding was coming up that Saturday, um, and you knew that Owen wouldn't be there for it. Obviously, it was gutting for him not to miss or, or, or to miss the final. Yeah, yeah. You play. I suppose at, at that level, you're in a bubble, and you're with those guys <laughs> all year long. You're training a few nights a week, and and you have a game every weekend, and you're traveling to games with with those people. You're doing your gym sessions, so. For him, it's it's his brother's wedding. He was a groomsman. Obviously, he made the correct decision. <laughs> yeah. Um. For for his family, but it is it is really hard when you're when you have to take yourself out of out of the team environment, which you're when when you're in that bubble all the time. So yeah, we had found out about it earlier in the week, and look, I was compromised as well because any other weekend I should have been at that wedding as well. But I got <laughs> I got up for the afters, and it was a brilliant wedding up in up in Farnham in in Cavan. So. He made for a tough drive back to Cork <laughs> on the on the Sunday, but no, great weekend all round from yeah. a from a Balancholic perspective and from a Glenmore perspective as well. Obviously, Claire had to miss the, the their final because of the wedding, but Mark Scannon said she gave an amazing speech in training that kind of fired everyone up, and he said she had a massive impact on the final, even though she wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great, great for Glenmore. They had an amazing season, and very happy for Claire. 
Um, our daughter Emma was born ten months ago, so she had uh, she had come back in to the start of the season, and you know it was tough. She wasn't really going well, and then it clicked for kind of after Christmas once she got got training, you know, up up to speed. Mm. And once she got up to speed, then she was the old Claire was back and. Glamour were as good as ever to be fair an incredible season a 78-64 win suggests it was somewhat comfortable was it comfortable? we started well it, 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 I suppose the last see it's all about the history of your team we we had a game that, that game I'm talking about with Jose Jimenez was injured in Neptune we were up 19 in the second half and we won by one mm. so we always felt that we was it whether it was confidence whether it was Coaching wasn't good enough, but we didn't really finish games as strong as we would have liked to. So I just remember the last couple of minutes, Keelan had been fouled out. Daniel was sitting next to me. Keelan was sitting next to me and going, are we good? Are we okay here? Mm. We're probably up 11 with a minute to go, up 13 with two minutes to go. And we were never, never really comfortable in that situation <laughs> until till the, till that buzzer goes. But as the game was going on and I, and I played played whatever I played, 13, 14 minutes, while we were out there, I felt it was it was very comfortable. I thought guys were really proactive in what we were doing we were sure of ourselves especially defensively and once we got into a rhythm I felt that you never say we're not we're never going to lose but I think when players are just comfortable yeah. in, that, in that environment it's 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 great great place to be and yeah 78-64 certainly didn't um it didn't flatter us. I think that was probably the, the mm. right the right result, you know. You've mentioned his name a couple of times, so talk to me a bit more about the impact that John Dawson has had on this team. He's thirty one points in the final MVP. Just an all around great player. Yeah, yeah, John is uh John's an amazing character really and his agent would have made contact with me this time last year, say so it took us a while to get him. He wasn't sure. He's a he's a little girl of his own. Mm. Covid and all that, he played at a very high leg level in the G League. So when if you see his CV, it's like um, it's like when you see the French onion soup on the menu. Like you have to <laughs> you you have to order it. <laughs> but uh, so I was like saying we have to get this guy. I don't yeah, care yeah, yeah. if he doesn't like us. If he thinks Ireland is isn't a good place to live or gets homes homesick, whatever. Which which he got a bit of. So CV wise, profile wise, he was he was a short thing. But but as it turned out throughout the year, he he had his own ups and downs. Struggled to kind of adjust to the league, some of the physicality. But once once he kind of got going, he showed flashes all the time throughout the year in training. He'd do some things that would just go right. There's no one there's no one around here able to do that. But once he um once he turned the corner, he was yeah. he was out of sight. He was, the final was, I'm, and I'm really happy he did that because we knew it. We saw it in training. The players knew it, and we were all kind of saying, "It'd be great if John." But the quarter final, semi final, and final. They put me kind of a five-minute highlight package together, and it was John. really, really, really strong stuff. You know, <laughs> big question is, will it be there next season? I don't think so. I think like we've we've kind of built it up now over the last five or six years. Like Andre Nation, the, the, the American we had, we mm. we brought him back for three years, which was unique. But uh, two of those years were down in the National League, and then he always said, "I'd love to play one year Super League." So we got another year out of him. But I think for us, the market we're in, we're bringing in guys and. I suppose where where America sits geographically, you've Ireland as a stepping stone, and then into yeah. to mainland Europe. So for us, it's about guys, uh, you know, moving on. I think, and and that's a good thing, and and it helps us because we can get the next guy and say, look, you have a good year here, you can go here. So so there's teams in Germany where Andre went looking at John now as well. So I'd imagine he'll be picked up. Yeah, uh, but better. if not, but if not, no, we'd love to have him. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> love to have him. 
Um, but it's all about progression for those guys. Yeah. I suppose being a professional sports person, um, you know, you only have so long at it, and he got a, he got a taste of Ireland. But I think he'd like to yeah. to, to push on to the bigger leagues. I suppose for you, I suppose planning for for next season's already started. I suppose it started even before the end of the current season. I mean, like I imagine your workload is still quite intense, is it? Yeah, the, the committee. I suppose it's 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 mad to think about it. You have to do it. You, you we're having meetings now in April to win in January and March, and that's mm. the way you have to look at it. Basketball wise, we leave the guys off in April. Um, we'll we'll ratify. I suppose who's coaching over the next few weeks. We but we do it do that by committee. Uh, who's coming in? Who's coming out? Kind of controlling who the roster. Yeah, yeah. Preseason, preseason tournaments. What guys need to do in the off season? Start that in May, and then the other side of the committee are you know we're we're gone into MTU now, which is huge, mm. uh, huge for us. Um, what's happening next year? Fixtures, sponsorship, fundraising. So you've that side of it as well. Social media and how we can do things better for next year. So those meetings are taking place at the moment. And that's exciting, the planning to see what, what it might look like next year. But it's, I guess it's always easier to kind of go back into those meetings after after you've won, you've a bit of momentum and, and more people, I suppose, want to come on board with you, which, yeah. is, which is great. You know? Exactly, yeah. And that first game back at MTU, full house, it's going to be fantastic to welcome champions home. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, was, I said there was a good few stories going around, as you can imagine, especially around the celebrations. And the, the big one for me was where we started playing 25 years ago now which makes me feel old but <laughs> the when you drive down the, the little hill there in Cloche Column there's a green gate and yeah, there, yeah. there used to be a court there it's now a car park remember we used to pl- play there and the parents used to, used to get dark and they'd drive the cars around and turn on the lights <laughs> and then we'd play play a bit more and not want to go home and then they'd turn on the full lights and yeah. that's kind of where we learned to play my dad coaching and then on a Friday more or less 25 years later we walk out of MTU, yeah. 14 million euro facility, and uh, on the Saturday we come down with the Super League trophy. So it took every bit of 25 years, but stories like that are kind of, that's back to the, where we started with the fairy tale stuff. That's the stuff where, and there's kind of five or six of those stories going around of, mm-hmm. you know, different moments throughout it, but that's that's what makes it cool. So it makes it fruitful and purposeful doing it with your own as well, you know. That's a nice way to wrap it up. Kieran, thanks many for coming in, buddy. Congratulations on an incredible season. No worries, thanks very much. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Kieran O'Sullivan. Congratulations to everyone involved with Ballancolic basketball. An incredible season for them and fantastic for them to win the Super League and just their second season at this level. But that is it for us this evening. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in to us on the Big Red Bench. Our podcast will be online shortly. You can get that on redfm.ie or from wherever you download your podcast, search for Big Red Bench. Green and Red's up next. Enjoy your Sunday evening, folks, and we'll talk to you next weekend. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.